You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Welcome to this week's edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. And as normal, I'd like to start with a shout out to all of our new listeners. And this week we have new listeners from London, Coventry, Manchester, Ipswich, Newcastle-upon-Tyne, Nottingham, Southampton, Cardiff, Leeds, Portsmouth, Birmingham and Guildford. We also have new listeners from Dublin in Ireland, from Paris in France, from Luxembourg, from Brabant in Belgium, from Noor-Brabant in the Netherlands, from Rotterdam and Amsterdam in the Netherlands, from Baden in Germany, from Hoverstaden in Denmark, from Prague in the Czech Republic, from Vienna and Upper Austria in Austria, from Valais in Switzerland, from Milan and Turin in Italy, from Madrid and Barcelona in Spain, from Porto and Lisbon in Portugal, from Epirus in Greece, from Plovdiv in Bulgaria, from Stockholm in Sweden, from Moscow in Russia, and then moving further afield, we have new listeners in Shanghai in China, in Tokyo in Japan, in Karnataka in India, in Telajana in India, and then new listeners, big shout out to our new listeners, and no man in the Middle East, a big welcome to you, and new listeners in Kampala in Uganda, Queensland in Australia, Sao Paulo in Brazil, British Columbia and Ontario in Canada, and then from the USA, new listeners this week in California, in Massachusetts, in New York, in Texas, Florida, Washington DC, Illinois, in the District of Columbia, Virginia, Connecticut, Colorado, Oregon, and North Carolina. So, once again, a good spread of listeners right around the world, so a big welcome to all my new listeners. And, of course, thanks, as always, to my regular listeners who now listen every week to the updates in the GDPR Weekly Show and take 30 minutes out of your week to catch up with all that's new in the world of GDPR and data privacy and I really appreciate you taking the time to spend this 30 minutes with me and I hope that you find the program useful and entertaining. If you have any comments on the program or any feedback or any ideas or things you'd like to see in future episodes or indeed anyone you'd like to see interviewed in future episodes of the show then please do let me know. Please drop me an email to podcasts at insurety.co.uk that's E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y dot co.uk either podcast at insurety.co.uk or go to the podcast page on the insurety.co.uk website and you can find details there of how to contact me. Um, I do read all the feedback that you send in and I'm really grateful for all the feedback. I don't unfortunately have time to reply to all of it personally but each and every one of your comments is, is read. So thank you for listening to the GDPR Weekly Show and in a few moments I'll be telling you what's coming up in this week's episode. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. So coming up in this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show, we begin by giving you details of some online training which we are running principally for new councillors who have been elected to local councils 
in England and Northern Ireland after the local elections which were held on Thursday last week. We then move on to give you some news of a data breach from the Home Office which once again centres around the use of CC and BCC in email. We then have a, another government department with a data breach, this time uh, HM Revenue and Customs. We then look at a high tort action which is being brought by a group of people affected by a data breach which we reported last year at Ticketmaster. And then the Irish Post Office has calls to ask whether GDPR is really all just rubbish. And then finally this week we end with a rather bizarre story of a someone in Ireland who found some data which had been dropped in the street and uh, shouldn't have been went to report it to the relevant people, the relevant data controller, was unsuccessful in being able to do that, so they decided to go to the press. The press took a photograph which showed the data, and as a result, the Irish ICO is now saying that that person themselves who found the data is themselves now guilty of actually having a data breach by revealing the data to the newspaper when they weren't authorised to do so. I hope you followed that but it becomes a bit clearer when you listen to the whole story right at the end of this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. Check us out on Facebook. Thursday the 2nd of May saw the local elections across England and Northern Ireland. And certainly in England, it saw a major change in most, the makeup of most of the local councils. And... As a result, of course, that means there are now lots of new councillors who will probably not have received training in GDPR. And yet it's important that all do to enable your local authority to remain GDPR compliant. And so having previously provided training to a large number of local authorities in England, uh, we will be running a special online training session in the week commencing the 20th of May uh, this year and we will repeat the session as many times as we need to to train everybody. If you uh, are listening and are one of our existing customers or you're not one of our customers yet but you are from a local authority and you'd like your new elected members to benefit from our GDPR training which is specially tuned towards the needs of elected members then do make sure you listen to next week's episode of the GDPR weekly show when we'll be bringing you details of how to access the online training it will be a live session so there will be an opportunity for your members to ask questions and get answers from our experts. Uh, there will be a charge for the online session and the demo providing details of all of that next week. But please do remember that it's your elected members' um, individual responsibilities to make sure that they are GDPR compliant. 
and so we hope that a good number of you will choose to take up those training sessions. But congratulations to everyone who's now been elected as a local councillor in England or indeed has made their way on to one of the new Northern Ireland authorities and commiserations with all those candidates who were unfortunately not successful this time around and best of luck for you all in the future. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. The UK Home Office suffered an embarrassing data breach this week when it made a mistake of sending a mass email using CC instead of BCC. Regular listeners will know that this is one of my pet subjects and I lost count of the number of times that I've advised organisations to make sure that they use BCC instead of CC in emails. And I hope by now, as those of you who are regular listeners, will have made sure that people in your organisation are well aware of the need to do this. Because if you use CC and you send it to multiple people, each of the people receiving that email can see who else the email has been sent to. And you have either knowingly or unknowingly committed a data breach because unless you have expressed consent from those people that are mentioned in the CC that you may share their email with the rest of the world, then unfortunately you created a data breach by sharing that information without consent. Now, it doesn't apply, of course, to internal emails. If you're sending an email just within your own organisation and everyone who's CC'd is also within your own organisation, then that's fine. You can carry on doing that just the same as you always have. But if you're sending it outside and you're mentioning the email addresses of third parties or indeed you're revealing the email addresses of people within your organisation to the third parties, then you are creating a data breach and potentially you could find yourself subject to an ICO investigation. So please, please, please make sure if you do nothing else this week that you educate your staff to use BCC rather than CC. In this particular instance, the emails were from those applying for settled status in the UK as part of preparations for Brexit. And uh, it's important to point out that actually this CC release of information was actually always an an offence under the old Data Protection Act of 1998 and indeed the Data Protection Act of 1984. Um, It was just that it was never really followed up on until GDPR arrived on the scene. In this instance, the Home Office reported itself to the Information Commissioner over the data breach and did so within the 72-hour window which is uh, there for reporting data breaches. It did say that it had used its best endeavours via the email software to recall the emails which had been sent in error to some, we think, five batches of 100 recipients each, so 500 people. 
and the Home Office say that they managed to recall around 260 of these emails, but of course the big danger is that those people who've read it who shouldn't have read it can't unlearn what they've just read. It's one of the failings we all have as a human is that aside from uh, brain injuries or dementia, we can't unlearn items once we've learnt them. Um, so a little bit just on this CC versus BCC thing and why it's important is in 2018 the child abuse inquiry in the UK into historic claims of child abuse was fined £200,000 by the ICO for sending information using CC and not BCC because in that case sensitive or special category data have been sent to others including the fact of those people who have been subjected to child abuse which is not something, let's be honest, that most people would want disseminated far and wide. It's worth bearing in mind that that fine for £200,000 was only on an email which had been copied to 90 people that it shouldn't have been. So a really hefty fine for the amount of data involved. And it's important not to rely on third parties for this too. Because if you use a outside company to manage your mailing list, do make sure that A, you have a good data controller, data processor and agreement in place with those people. And B, that they do use their own procedures to make sure that the danger of an email going out as a CC rather than a BCC is minimised. Why does it matter? Well, because obviously once those email addresses are out there, you don't know what they're going to be used for. In this instance, where it was for people seeking settled status, there was of course a danger that someone could take the email addresses and send them off to a company who specialise in helping people with settled status which would not only be a breach of data protection law but also the laws of confidentiality and indeed potentially a breach of the Human Rights Act 1998. So it is really important that your staff understand why this BCC and not CC is important. We will be returning to this in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host Keith Budden. We are getting an increasing number of our customers now already contacting us to arrange an audit as now it's coming up to towards a year from when GDPR came in and they want to make sure that they're operating as they should be and we'd like to offer this service out to all of you, all of our listeners. Uh, so if you'd like us to perform an audit on your GDPR uh, operations and make sure that you are recording everything you need to be, that you have all the necessary procedures in place and that you know how to action those procedures. Please do get in touch with us via podcasts at insurity.co.uk. That's podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T at insurity, E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y dot co.uk. Please make the subject of your email GDPR audit 
and we'll get the relevant person to contact you. Um, we're able to carry out audits either on-site or remotely and for a pleasantly low cost. Um, I'm sure you'll be pleasantly surprised with the figure we're able to provide you with for providing the audit. I can't give a global figure here because it does affect, it does depend on how many employees, or how many customers, how many records, etc. you have. Um, but please do get in contact with us. It's totally without obligation, but do get in contact with us to arrange an audit because uh, if you do want the audit done around May or June of this year to be annual from when GDPR came in, we are rapidly filling our diaries for that period. So uh, don't delay, do get in touch, do it this week and we'll be pleased to provide you with a quote. And for the first five of you to contact us to request a, a data audit, a data breach audit, I'm pleased to be able to say that we will provide that to you for 50% of our normal fee. But that's only for the first five of you to contact us as a result of this podcast. Check us out on Facebook. The Home Office weren't the only government department to fall foul of GDPR this week. There was also a report of a data breach at the in the revenue or HMRC. Uh, they said that they had some six and a half million voice recordings which had been used to make biometric IDs. And the idea of these voice recordings is that when you telephone the HMRC, um, your voice itself acts as a password. And so it recognises that it is you who is talking. And of course, that's particularly relevant with regard to people's tax records that need to be kept confidential. However, the Inland Revenue were forced to admit that 5 million of these voice recordings had been collected without consent. And so as a result, uh, the HMRC has agreed to delete them all ahead of a deadline set by the ICO of the 5th of June. 2019, but it will keep around one and a half million voice IDs which are in use and which have been given consent by the people concerned. Um, the issue was raised by an organisation called Big Brother Watch and speaking on behalf of Big Brother Watch, Silky Carlo said in a statement this is a massive success for Big Brother Watch, restoring data rights for millions of ordinary people around the country. To our knowledge, this is the biggest ever deletion of biometric IDs from a state-held database. This sets a vital precedent for biometrics collection and the database state, he went on to say, showing that campaigners and the ICI have real teeth and no government department is above the law. In a letter seen by ourselves, which um, the... Chief Executive and Permanent Secretary of HMRC, Sir Johnson Thompson, has sent to their own uh, internal data protection officer, their own DPO, a gentleman by the name of Chris Franklin, and the letter dated the 3rd of May says, Dear Chris, thank you for your engaging with the ICO in your capacity as our data protection officer on the matter of our voice ID system on the customer helplines. 
I have written to the ICO today to inform them of the actions the department has agreed as follows. 1. I have confirmed that HMRC will only retain voice ID enrolments where we hold explicit consent. As you know, this is currently around 1.5 million customers who have used the service since we introduced changes in October 2018 to comply with GDPR requirements. 2. I have informed ICO that we have already started to delete all records where we do not hold explicit consent and will complete that work well ahead of the ICO's 5th of June 2019 deadline. These total around 5 million customers who enrolled in the Voice ID service before October 2018 and have not called us or used the service since to reconfirm their consent. 3. I have reconfirmed HMRC's commitment to being a responsible data controller and to complying with all data protection laws. I am satisfied that HMRC should continue to use Voice ID, it is popular with our customers, is a more secure way of protecting customer data and enables us to get callers through to an advisor faster. HMRC has worked hard to ensure that the system complies with GDPR requirements around explicit consent and our published privacy notice already makes clear that we will not use voice identification data for any other purpose. In the interest of being transparent about decisions we've made, I'm arranging for this note to be made public and advise the ICO accordingly. And indeed, yeah, Sir Jonathan Thompson has made it public to say we, we've actually seen a copy of this letter. So, providing the HMRC do delete these voice records by the date set by the ICO of the 5th of June, then I suspect that will be the end of this matter. Certainly the ICO in conversations that we've had with them have not indicated that there are any plans to actually carry out any prosecution or any fines against HMRC for this breach. And I think that's a good thing. I think it goes to show that that the ICO are being reasonable and where people comply with outcomes from a data breach in a reasonable time period, they either minimise a fine or avoid a fine altogether. And that's how it should be, because it should be about giving people a slap on the wrist and making sure they get it right next time, rather than about necessarily imposing a financial penalty. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. It's not only the ICO, though, who can seek financial penalties. Um... Those listeners who've been listening to us from the first episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show may remember us last year mentioning about a data breach which had involved Ticketmaster and its other associated websites in the UK, um, principally TicketWeb or Get Me In between February and June of 2018. In the intervening period, a law firm based in Widnes in the UK, a firm called Hayes Connor, have been inviting Ticketmaster customers who may have been affected by this data breach to get in touch with them with a view to launching a class action against Ticketmaster. Hayes Connor now claims that it has some 650 people who have filed claims by themselves and as a result Hayes Connor have now filed litigation 
with the high court in Liverpool. Uh, Kingsley Hayes, the managing director of Hayes Connor, said that they had gone legal after unsuccessful negotiations to try and agree an out-of-court settlement with Ticketmaster. Noting how the ticketing firm had failed to action on the data breach until two months after it had been alerted to the fact by the digital bank Monzo, he then added that more than two-thirds of those in making a claim have suffered multiple fraudulent transactions since the serious data breach, while the rest were still at risk of having their data used in fraudulent ways. He went on to say that while the Ticketmaster data breach hit the headline some time ago, the effect on victims is significant and ongoing. Stolen personal information, particularly in instances where a significant number of individuals are involved, is often used in batches, so some victims may yet to be experienced any fraudulent activity, however they may still be at risk. He concluded... Individuals who were alerted to the data breach by Ticketmaster still have time to join the legal action to claim compensation, but must have to do so in the next few weeks. And so we wait to see what happens now. As I say, it's going to the High Court, and uh, we see what the High Court decides in terms of whether these people do have a case for compensation, and if they do, how much compensation that they will receive. But I think it's something that all of us involved in the GDPR world will be keeping a very close eye on because it's probably the first class action that's been brought within the UK involving GDPR. And it will set a precedent, really, going forward for what level of damages those affected by GDPR can expect. Now, if it actually comes to be a substantial penalty a substantial amount of compensation per user then you can be fairly certain that it will open the floodgates to other claims um, but we don't know as I say at the moment what the High Court are going to decide in this case but we will be keeping a careful eye on it and as soon as the High Court have made a judgment we will of course let you know in a future episode of the GDPR weekly show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. An interesting case from Ireland this week. The Irish Post Office chose to remove waste paper baskets from the public side of the post office from all of its post offices across Ireland. Why did it do this? Was it worried about potential maybe for terrorists using it for um, illegal packages or bombs? Was it worried about health and safety? No, it was none of these things. It was actually a concern about GDPR because they became aware of a potential issue where it was felt that if someone had a letter containing personal details or perhaps just an address of personal details and that person threw that letter into the bin on the public side of the uh, post office then until that letter was physically destroyed legally it could potentially become the liability of the post office and so if someone else was then to take that letter out of the bin and extract that information from the letter 
the post office could be liable for a data breach or this was what they considered could be the case. I think it's an important precedent here because obviously potentially it could mean if they were right that post offices in the UK or indeed right across Europe would have to remove their bins on the public side of the counter and I think there'd also be a case for saying that you should also then remove the bins for um, banks and possibly even the bins or the containers that banks have by their ATM machines and hole in the wall machines to take the receipts that people don't want to take away with them. Just how far does this go? Anyway, the good news is, is that the Irish ICO has now had chance to review the situation and consider the situation and they have ruled that under no circumstances could public litter be in breach of GDPR. As a result, the Irish Post Office have now restored their waste paper baskets to the public side of their post offices and hopefully we can all rest easy that we don't have those with public facing counters that we don't need to worry about the fact that someone leaving a document either deliberately or inadvertently into the litter bin could find themselves subject to GDPR. It's important to recognise, though, that this is only the bins on the public side of the counter. You still need to take good care of documents with personal data on which you are disposing of internally, and indeed you need to have your own procedures in place for shredding or other secure destruction of that data. But you don't need to worry about documents which did not originate from you that are now on the public side of the counter and have been put into the waste paper bin. So I think a good sensible judgment and one which should remove a lot of potential issues for anyone with a counter or customer serving area where members of the public are able to be present and indeed may well have documents with them. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Our final um, story this week also comes from Ireland and involves the case of a man who found sensitive patient data on a city centre street and who highlighted his concerns in the media, which has resulted in himself now being told by the data protection officer, um, or rather the ICO, that he has potentially committed a data breach himself. To give a bit of background here, uh, Luke Field, the gentleman in question, found the data containing patient names and details of surgical procedures on the pavement of South Terrace in Cork in Ireland on Friday, April the 26th, and he attempted to report his find to the appropriate data protection officer in HSC South, the relevant health authority, the following day. However, the office was closed over the weekend. As a result, he contacted Cork University Hospital as the data related to patients attending that hospital's plastic surgery department 
and was advised by a staff member to return the data to reception in a sealed envelope and that it would be processed after the weekend. Mr Field, who happens to be a Labour candidate for Court City South Central in the upcoming local elections in Ireland, said he held off on returning the data as he wanted to hand it back to someone with direct data protection responsibility. He decided to contact the media to highlight the delay he encountered when trying to report his fine to the appropriate official as there was no out-of-hours contact service. However, he made a slight boo-boo because he decided to publicise this by going to the press, which was fine, but he actually held up a sheet of the uh, data to be photographed, and that got splashed onto the pages of the newspaper running the story. And the Irish ICO is now alleging that this constituted an unauthorised disclosure of personal data and as a result that Mr Field is now obliged to report his own disclosure as a further data breach to the Irish ICO or the Data Protection Commissioner as they're called in Ireland. The Irish Examiner, the newspaper in question, contacted the Data Protection Commission to question whether a breach had occurred as there is an exemption when processing personal data for the purpose of exercising the right of freedom of expression and information, including processing for journalistic purposes. The Commission says that it understood there were data protection issues in relation to this, however we cannot comment further until they've examined the date details in full. Mr Field said that as far as he's concerned, he doesn't believe there's any merit in the suggestion that he'd committed a data breach, but that he is happy to cooperate with the Data Protection Commission in their investigation of the breach by the hospital. He said he is disappointed with the hospital's response because the real story is that there have been two major breaches in patient data in the space of a week. There was another breach this week in relating to the patients attending Our Lady of Lords Hospital in Dredega. And this seems like an unfair attempt to divert attention away from that. The House Authority concerned said it is taking the data breach very seriously and is currently investigating the incident. They said the breach had been reported to the Data Protection Commission and all data subjects will be contacted in line with data protection policy. The statement also said that the Deputy Data Protection Officer was subsequently made aware that data was shared with a third party, the journalist, either prior to or returning the data to the HSE. The person who discovered the data and voluntarily disclosed it to the press has been advised by the agency that this constitutes an unauthorised disclosure of personal data. So, an interesting one. I do think myself that the gentleman finding the data was a little foolish to display the data to the press. I also think the press were a little bit guilty because they could easily have um, smudged the image of the data, so that whilst it was obvious it was data, but it wouldn't actually be possible to read people's names and addresses. So I think, I think probably the, the chap who found it and the press who ran it were equally culpable, in my view. Uh, but it doesn't get away from the fact that, of course, there was the data breach from the hospital or the health authority concerned in the first place. I think perhaps a lesson that can be learnt from this, though, for particularly for larger organisations, 
and I would classify health authorities and hospitals into that situation. Certainly any organisation that's dealing with a reasonable volume of sensitive data, which clearly a medical organisation would be, I think should ensure that there is always someone available to discuss potential data breaches. You know, whether that just means that you equip your uh, data protection officer, deputy data protection officer, with mobile phones, which they keep on at a weekend and perhaps you pay them a supplement to their salary for the fact that they may occasionally have to answer a call at a weekend. But when you think that if that situation had arisen here and that number had been available and someone had answered, this whole issue would never become an issue in the first place because the gentleman who found the data in the street would just have returned it to, immediately to, the hospital. And in all probability, although I think there would still have been a need to report it to the relevant information commissioner, that would probably be the end of the story. Instead of which now it's potentially becoming a much bigger issue. So if you do handle personal data and sensitive data, do have a think about how someone could report a data breach to you out of normal working hours. And perhaps that's something that we'll return to in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show as well with some ideas on how you might be able to do that. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. I hope you found it useful. I hope you found it entertaining. Please do let me know. Let me have your feedback by sending an email to podcast.insurity.co.uk. You can find out more about us at Insurity at www.insurity.co.uk. And I look forward to speaking to you again, same time, same place, next week. Have a good week, everybody, and remember to keep your data safe. Check us out on Facebook. The GDPR Weekly Show is an Insurity production. Follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash insurity.